Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, we just got done having our GPS Hope and Healing Retreat in Texas, and it was wonderful. This one was for couples. It was small and intimate, and even the men who came said it was great, and they were so glad they came with their wives. They got so much from it. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. It was so much better. We are in the planning stages of our next retreat, which we're going to have in the southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois area late this summer. And we're looking at the possibility of maybe having one in Ohio in October. So if you're interested in coming to a GPS Hope and Healing Retreat, keep a lookout for the information. We'll let you have it as soon as as we have it to give to you. What I'm going to share with you today, and I'm going to continue next week, is part of the Saturday morning session from this recent retreat. It was not in my plan for my three-year-old daughter to have cancer and to have her little leg amputated. It wasn't in my plan for her to have heart issues, and it definitely was not in my plan for my daughter to die when she was only 29 years old. And as we're all very aware, we don't always get what we planned or what we wanted. Until Becca died, I didn't know such suffocating darkness even existed. I didn't know anyone who lost a child. And once I started connecting with people like Facebook groups and reading books, so much of what I found out there was hopelessness and it was so dark. And and I, I would hear things like, You'll, your life will always be a mess. It'll never get any better. And I knew that my life would never be the same, but I couldn't come into agreement that it would always be dark and not worth ever living again. And I refused to believe that the fact that my daughter died was not going to become my full-time identity like so many of those that I was seeing and hearing from. I had other important people to live for that I loved and who loved me. I knew I had a calling on my life, and I knew that I had the seed of hope and life living inside of me because Christ is in me, the Holy Spirit is in me. And that means that the seed of hope was in me. And the other thing was, I realized that I may have been blindsided by Becca's death, but God wasn't. And as horrific as it was, I did not believe that the death of my child was where God reached his limit and he was unable to help me work through it and get back to a place of being able to live again. In other words, I had hope. Somehow, within the darkness, I knew that God was the only way I was going to be able to get out of that darkness. Hope is so important because without hope, we can't move forward. Colossians 1.27 says that God wants these great riches of the hidden truth to be made known. And the secret is this, Christ in you brings hope of all the great things to come. And I know when you're in that really dark place, it's, it's next to impossible to think that there is 
anything great that could ever come in your life again. And the people around us, it's easy for someone on the outside looking in, especially someone who's never lost a child, to be able to see hope in someone else's future. But when you're the one on the inside trying to dig yourself out of the black pit that you were hurled into, hope is almost impossible to see, much less believe in. And for a grieving parent, it can be a long time down the road for hope to even become a glimmer of a possibility. Not just a few months, but sometimes even a few years. And hope definitely isn't something that can be forced onto another person. But that's one reason why I have this podcast. That's why my husband and I started GPS Hope, to offer you a lifeline of hope, especially if you're angry at God, if you feel like you can no longer trust him, if your faith has been shattered. We are here to give you that lifeline of hope to say it is possible. And if you can't feel your own hope, then let us be the hope for you until you find that hope. Now, in order to do this, in order to be able to come out of this darkness and figure out how to learn to live again, we really need to hit head on the fact that God's plan is to bless. God has blessings that you have not received yet. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a scripture that is probably familiar to a lot of you. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And this is one of the scriptures that most of us, we feel like we just want to throw throw that out the window. We want to mark it out of our Bibles when our child dies, because it just seems like, but you did harm me. This, you didn't prosper me. You're not giving me a hope in the future. My child is gone. And, and I don't understand why you didn't stop this. When Becca died, somewhere I heard or read the words, spiritual blessings come wrapped in trials. And my response was that I couldn't see that. And I told him the loss of a child is an awfully deep trial to wrap a blessing in. And God's unexpected answer came in my heart. And what I heard in my heart was him saying, I know, because my son died and it was wrapped in the blessing of you. And God has the same thing for you. He knows that the loss of your child, the death of your child is an awfully deep trial to wrap a blessing in. But he knows that because he gave his son, he allowed his son to die. And that death of his son was wrapped in the blessing of you. So I decided My plan was to receive those blessings. And like Jacob wrestling with the angel, I decided I will not let go until you bless me. In order to be able to receive that blessing, we have to be able to acknowledge who he is and want the reality of his love to be known to us. We need to find keys that will open the doors of truth that begin to make shifts in our perspective and how we see things. It's like we can look through a keyhole and see it, but we need to find the key to unlock it. We are blessed, even within the darkness of the death of our child. 
And there are great things yet to come, like Colossians 1.27 says. Now, it also says God wants these great riches of the hidden truth to be made known. Now, we know about worship and prayer and reading our Bibles, and people around us will, will you know, try to, are you going to church? Are you reading your Bible? Are you making sure you're praying? I know those are the typical things, and, and those typical things are sometimes the hardest things for us to be able to do. Not everyone, but a lot of us. It's really hard for us to go to church. It's hard for us to read our Bible. It's hard to just sit down and pray like we used to. So we're going to look at some different keys that I have discovered on my journey after Becca's death. Now, the first key is the key of forgiveness, and it's a hard one. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Forgiveness can be really hard. And I did write a chapter about it in my book, When Tragedy Strikes. Unforgiveness paralyzes us. And the question is, who do you need to forgive? And there may be people that you didn't even think about or didn't even realize. Someone directly or indirectly involved with the death of our child Maybe being angry at our child for leaving us and needing to forgive our child. How about yourself? That's one of the hardest ones is to forgive yourself because we all feel like we should have been able to do more. We should have seen something. We should have made a certain decision or not made a certain decision. We need to forgive ourselves. How about people who have hurt you in the grieving process or God? We all know he could have stopped it from happening. And I don't want you to say I can't forgive them. Whoever it is, I can't forgive myself, I can't forgive God, I can't forgive that person for what they did that caused my child's death. And I do understand when we're in that very beginning, deep, dark place, it isn't in us to forgive. We're just trying to survive. But we do eventually get to a point where we can start making those decisions. And a lot of times we'll still say, I can't forgive. But that's only true if you're unwilling to forgive. It's more like, I won't forgive because I want to stay angry and we have all kinds of reasons. But it does get to a point where it's a choice. Refusing to forgive is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Because forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. It's a gift that you give yourself to release yourself. It's like the chemo needed to stop the cancer that is eating your soul. It's not based on a feeling, it's based on a decision. And we need to use the power of our words. And I do have prayers for each of those things that I listed that we can pray out loud, just kind of a springboard or to help you get started. People that I talked about that we may need to forgive. And if you would like that, I'll have a a link for you that you can click on and ask me to send that to you. Now, it doesn't have words for God. You're on your own for that. (laughs) But all the others, there are words that you can pray and say out loud. And it is a process. It's not a one and done time thing. We have to choose the forgiveness and we have to say it out loud multiple times until we finally get the release that we need. Now, the second key is to come into right alignment. Now, what I mean by that is that we are a spiritual being having a physical experience. We are a spirit. We have a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, 
and our emotions, and we live in a body. And our body, soul, and spirit need to come into right alignment to help us get out of that place of darkness. Let me explain this. Picture a rope, a long rope, and there are three people holding on to that rope, and they're all walking in the same direction. Now, one is the body, the flesh, one is the soul, and one is the spirit. And they're all, the flesh is in front, and they're all heading in that direction. Well, when the spirit comes to God, his spirit comes to live inside of us, and our spirit turns around the opposite way. And our spirit is now heading towards God. Now, the soul and the flesh are still going the way they were already going. And there's a tug of war that starts to happen. And at this point, because the soul is still lined up with the flesh, with the body, that's what's got the strongest pull. When the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions turns the other way and lines up with our spirit. So now you have two people holding the rope and they're going the direction of the spirit. Spirit and soul are going one direction and the flesh is still going that original direction. But now he's got the least amount of pull and he's going to get dragged along until he decides to turn around and line up so that now they're all three walking in the way of the spirit. And there are a lot of ways that we can feed our soul. Now, we're feeding our soul no matter what. We're either feeding it darkness and depression, and we're feeding it things that will keep us spiraling down, or we're feeding it things that will strengthen our soul and begin to bring in hope and healing and light. Things like the music we listen to, the books that we read, the things that we say, the conversations we get in, the people we hang around with. Are you are you plugged into other parents who are feeding you the darkness and telling you that your life will always be a mess? Or are you plugging into the parents like me and those that are like me that are out there saying, you can do this. I did this. I was in that dark, suffocating place. And I was able to come out of it. Now I'm going to walk with you and help you come out of it. So that is what I'm mean by coming into right alignment. God is always at work in us through the Holy Spirit to help us come into right alignment so that our thoughts and our beliefs are lining up with the truth. One of the thoughts that we can align with truth has to do with our fear that our child wasn't saved that we can torment ourselves. Fear is, it does bring torment. And we can torment ourselves thinking, not knowing if our child was saved and if our child is in heaven. And that torments and tortures us. And I'm not going to go into that here right now, except to say that you don't have all the information and you don't have to live in that fear and that torment. I did a a podcast on this topic and it's episode 18. And the title is, I'm Afraid My Child Might Not Be in Heaven. So I will put a link to that in the show notes, but it's episode 18 if you want or need to listen to that. I'm going to talk about one more key today, and then I will get to the rest of them next week. And the last key I'm going to talk about today is the key of surrender. And that's another tough one. We don't like that, especially when we feel like God betrayed us, when we're angry at him. And we don't understand why this happened. I mean, I did my part, God. I pray protection over my kids. I go to church. I do everything right. And this shouldn't have happened to me. 
And so it's really hard for us to surrender when we're angry at God like that. But I want you to think about this. If you have made him Lord of your life, if you've said it, you've sung it in a song, and it was in your heart at one time, then Jesus being Lord of our lives trumps everything. And there are so many scriptures that tell us we're going to have trials, we're going to have hard things in this life, but he's going to walk us through them. This life is not the final place. This is not it. And sometimes we forget that in our pain because we want our child here with us. We were supposed to go first, and I get that. But when Jesus is Lord, when we say he's Lord, we have taken our hands off of our lives. And I know that sounds hard and harsh, and that doesn't mean that, okay, so if I make Jesus Lord of my life, my child's going to die. That's not it. But when we make him Lord, it trumps everything else. And to say, you can have everything but my kids, then we haven't made Jesus Lord. People talk about religion being a crutch. But for me, God isn't my crutch. He is my wheelchair. I mean, he has got to carry me through this. I can't get through this without him carrying me. And I have really come to learn that in a whole new way. A long time ago, before Becca died, I remember I was praying one of those fix-it prayers. You know, God, this is what's happening, and we need you to fix this, and we need you to do this, and, you know, speaking my authority in the Lord into the situation, and just really praying, Lord, we need you to step in and do this. And one time as I was praying along this line, I heard God speak to my heart. I heard a question saying, which prayer do you want me to answer? And it kind of took me back. And, and so in my heart, I asked the Lord, what do you mean? And he spoke to me in my heart. And he said, well, you always pray the prayer, God, do whatever you need to do in my life to get me where you want me to be. And right now, you're praying this prayer where you want me to step in and you want me to fix this situation the way you want it fixed or the way you think it needs to be fixed. And he said, what if I want to use this specific situation to answer your bottom line prayer that you have prayed for years, Father, do whatever you want to do in my life to get me where you want me to be. Which prayer do you want me to answer? Do you want me to answer that prayer? Or do you want me to answer the fix-it prayer? And honestly, I did take the fix-it prayer off the table. And I very humbly said, okay, Lord, I surrender, and I want you to do whatever you want to do in my life to get me where you want me to be. Now, once again, that doesn't mean that's why my child died, because I gave God permission to kill my child. It's nothing like that. But coming to a place of surrender diffuses the anger. It gets you to a place where God can begin to bring that light in that you so desperately need. And the Holy Spirit can begin to give you the comfort that you so desperately need and the peace. We can have peace and pain in us at the same time. Pain is in our soul. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Peace is in our spirit. So I hope that makes sense. That's why we can have peace and pain at the same time inside of us. You know, it's interesting. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter and the Helper. 
more times in the Bible, that's who he is, our comfort and our help. And he wants to be those things for you. And when we come to a place of surrender, it's like raising the white flag and opening the door where he can come in and begin to bring a measure of healing that we really need. Like I said, I'm going to continue with this next week. Two months after Becca died, I did something that was really unusual at that time. Like I said, it was two months after Becca died. It turned out to be something so good for me in my place of deep grief that as soon as we started GPS Hope several years ago, I really wanted to figure out how to give other perivers the same opportunity. And I'm so excited that we're finally able to do that. And right now, you get to hear about it. Do you wish you could spend time with others who have also lost a child? Just be able to take your mask off and hang out with others who get it? Would you like to get away for a few days having no responsibilities, including cooking and cleaning, and just be? Want to attend a grief retreat to help with a measure of needed healing? Do you like to travel to beautiful tropical destinations? Well, GPS Hope is joining the Grief Cruises Seminar at Sea program, which is the only onboard programming created specifically for grieving families. It doesn't matter how much time has passed since the loss of your child or the age of your child when he or she passed. Some of the activities going on will be daily workshops with educational and captivating grief presenters, small group circles of hope specific to your type of loss. There will be a candle walk and night of remembrance on one of the decks to honor our children and those we've lost. Our group dinners will be reserved in a section of the dining room where we'll be able to sit together when we eat our meals musical performances, arts and crafts, and more. Plus, the live entertainment on the ship, shore excursions, and incredible food of a five-star cruise. This cruise seminar is for any type of loss, grandchildren, siblings, spouse, parents, and GPS Hope will have several workshops at this seminar specifically for bereaved parents. It's December 5th through the 11th of this year, 2021. You can put down a deposit and make payments up through September 21st, and you can get a full refund on your cabin until September 21st. Get all the information, including the itinerary and the prices, at gpshope.org slash cruise. If you sign up through our website, you'll also be helping us continue providing support and resources for grieving parents because GPS Hope will receive a portion of your seminar fee. So go to gpshope.org cruise for all the information. Let your family and friends know about it. And Dave and I hope to see you in December on the ship. I know you may feel like a cruise is something that you do to have fun. And it's like, I can't go on a cruise. I would feel so guilty. But the thing is, on a cruise, it's wonderful to have all of your physical needs taken care of. Uh, You don't have to do dishes. You don't have to cook. You don't have to make your bed. You don't have to clean. All of that is totally taken care of. 
so that you can concentrate on reaching another level of healing for your soul. Now, the grief seminar happens during the days at sea, so you don't miss out on any shore excursions that you might want to go on, and you'll be surrounded almost a full week by others who get it, and that is so wonderful to just be around people who get it and have conversations that you can't have with other people. I really hope that you will at least take a look at the information at gpshope.org slash cruise. Let's go ahead and go on to this week's birthdays. Tommy Simmons was born on March 29th and is forever 59. Jonda Steinkamp was born on April 2nd and is forever five months old. William Judah was born on April 3rd and is forever 40. We celebrate with these families the day that these children came into the world and into their lives. We know how important that is and it always will be. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that and share your child with our listeners. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out that little form there with the information, submit it, and I will be blessed and honored to be able to announce your child. God is not against us. He does have something for each of us. He still has blessings for you that you can't even comprehend, that you don't know about now. God has light and life that penetrates and shatters the suffocating darkness and the intense pain. He has a peace for us that goes beyond anything we can understand. And this peace causes us to delight in his mercy and his grace and his presence and his love in our lives within the horrible earthly loss of our child. Remember, this is not the end. Remember also to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.